My name is Jeremy Devins, and this is the Quiet Mind Astrology Podcast on how to read your moon chart. Thank you to everybody who reached out over the last week. I got very sick and I really appreciated your feedback and messages of support in my recovery. And today's the first day I'm really feeling like back and better and good enough to to record a podcast, uh, which is very difficult because I love recording these podcasts and missed last week a lot, Uh, but I lost my voice. And With the Mars retrograde that's been happening, I did something that is totally antithetical to Mars retrograde. And sometimes I like to test these things in astrology and see, you know, Mars retrograde is a time that you probably shouldn't do your first Spartan race in the rain, running up a mountain, pushing yourself to your limit with almost no training. Uh, But that's what I did. Uh, I signed up for this a long time ago before I checked the transits and saw that it would be happening during a Mars retrograde time and decided to just go for it and just push myself and then see what happens. I got extremely sick and it was just really intense weather, uh, very cold and rainy and going through the mountains in central California, an incredibly gorgeous location right by a lake going up big mountains Uh, So it was all extremely Vata, and we are in the Vata season here in the Northern Hemisphere, and I'm a very Vata person. So when you know your Ayurvedic type, you know how you can get out of balance, and you know what activities will also bring you out of balance, and that certainly was one of them. And I paid the consequences of that, and had a really rough last week with fever, and losing my voice, and... uh, 103 fever. It was was very intense and painful and difficult. So I would not recommend that experience. And, you know, I knew that too, just seeing as Mars retrograde, it's like, maybe I should just cancel this. Um, But I also kind of like to test these theories sometimes. And Mars retrograde only happens every two years, roughly. So don't get too many chances to test out Mars retrograde theories. But now I know, to be very clear, so I can give you my evidence, experience, and future readings and interpretations here on the podcast. When Mars is retrograde, do not sign up for a Spartan race or something that's like very, very challenging outside of your normal sort of routine. Now, of course, there are many other people there who did fine and people who are much more pitta nature who were thriving in that environment. And that's great. And that is the kind of environment where they would do well. And even if it is Mars retrograde, they can do fine. Uh, So there is that part of it too, right? It's not like everybody there got sick, Uh, but I was not trained for it. And I mainly do yoga practices and lift weights. And uh, I decided not to train too much for that. Just again, to see (laughs) and push myself and, and learn some difficult lessons. Uh, So today I want to talk about not just Mars retrograde, but what's happening in transits later in the second half of this episode. But in this first half, I want to talk about how to read your moon chart, which is something that if you get a reading or you look up your chart, you usually will see your birth chart and your moon chart in the results that you get. 
So what do you do with the moon chart? What is it there for? How do you use it? How do you make sense of it? That's what I want to share in this episode so that you're more informed of how to utilize this chart. So first of all, this was typically used as your birth chart historically in ancient India because they didn't have such precise timing and clocks like we do now. And even in today, in modern India, when I was there a few years ago, just for a brief time, uh, the sense of time was very different than it is here in the U.S. So to say that something happened at exactly 2.25 p.m. somebody was born on this date is not really part of the Indian culture. And to like set an appointment to be somewhere at like 2.30 p.m. is it's very loose. It's not actually when you'd expect to be there. You might expect somebody to be there like in a half hour later or even an hour later. So timing is much looser and to keep track of timing of things like a birth is much looser. Even in modern Western society, a lot of doctors are not putting super precise birth times. They're often rounding up as well. And I've talked to and worked with many people in the medical field who validated that. And a lot of times the birth times that you get on modern Western birth charts, uh, birth certificates are approximations and round it up. So that's where it helps when you, when, if you get a reading to check that, uh, if your ascendant nakshatra is within five degrees, zero to five degrees or 25 to 29 degrees in that range, then you may have a different birth time slightly. So you want to check that and ask your astrologer to test that, whether it's me or somebody else. Uh, and that's just just to be sure and to validate that because, again, it's approximations a lot of the times. So in ancient India, rather than using the rising sign at the time of your birth, which is much more specific and more difficult to get that accurate, you would use your moon chart. And that was, throughout history, the chart. You, like, you wouldn't even have a ascendant uh, rising sign birth chart like we do now you would just have the moon chart so that is the historical context and with that you can learn so much about yourself through the moon chart and the moon is usually within the same sign throughout the day within that hour few hour range for sure of a birth time so it's usually pretty accurate and easier to get that nailed down it can be a little trickier to get the, the actual rising sign nailed down because the rising sign can change every two and a half hours. So that's more specific and then the nakshatra can change within that it's faster as well. So you would use the moon chart to understand what's happening mentally and emotionally for yourself. And if you look at it, like if you look at if you get your chart now and you get your birth chart that has the lagna, the rising sign as the, the main birth chart, and then you have the moon chart, you'll see that the moon chart is basically just rotating the birth chart so that the moon is in the ascendant. So the moon is in the first house. The planets are all the same. Everything else is the same. It's just rotated. 
So if you had Sun in Sagittarius and Mars in Taurus, you still have those same planets and signs, but the houses change in the moon chart because now you've reoriented the whole chart where the moon is the rising versus the actual ascendant, the sign that was rising on the eastern horizon at the time of your birth. Uh, and that would change the orientation. Unless, of course, you happen to have the moon rising on the eastern horizon as well, and then the moon chart is basically the same as the ascendant. That is possible. So that would mean that everything is still in the same houses, and that would mean that what's happening mentally and emotionally is, is pretty coherent and consistent and it's simpler in a way it's a little less complicated and complex than otherwise so with that you can interpret and look at the chart of you say you have a planet and a sign in the moon chart uh, and in the it's called the d1 or lagna or rashi chart uh, then you can understand that like Sun in Sagittarius is very clear to interpret what that would mean. So like adventurous spirit, you know, and so on, without getting into all that right now. Uh, but with the moon chart versus the Lagna, so now in modern times, we do have the Lagna and the moon chart. Uh, the Lagna is more of like your personality and how people perceive you, you could say. There's some debate on this of like how you would compare these two. But the moon chart is certainly what is happening more mentally and emotionally, internally for you that people might not see on the outside or you might not show on the outside as much, but it's what's happening inside. So you can look at the moon chart to better understand your internal world, which again, it could be the same as the D1 if the moon is rising in the eastern horizon. Uh, but in many cases, 11 out of 12 cases, this will be uh, somewhere different. So there's a different internal state that's happening. And it helps you understand your relationship with your mother as well. And if you are a mother, your maternal energy, how you show up as a mother, can be seen from the moon chart as well. So it gives you this deeper inner landscape perspective to understand what's happening beyond just the surface. And it also is a great way to validate things. If you're not sure about something in the D1, the main birth chart, you can look to the moon chart to better understand what that means and, and get clarity. And you're always looking for three or more validations of a prediction for it to be more certain. And you can use the moon chart to validate the D1. So in modern circumstances, when I'm doing readings in all the research I've done and charts I've looked at, you can see 99% of what you need to see just from the D1 and the Ascendant. Because again, it's more specific and it gives you a ton of information. And then if there's ever something that's unclear, I'll look at the moon chart for a little extra validation or reflection on something. Or if somebody's having some sort of uh, mental or emotional challenges, and wanting support or clarity about that, I'll go to the moon chart. But almost everything can be seen from the D1, and I rely on that and defer to that 99% of the time in the reading. Everything comes back to that. 
course, the moon is in the D1 chart. It's, it's in a placement there. It's just not always going to be the ascendant uh, unless it happens to be where it was rising. Uh, and, and then you can use the moon chart to get more validation and clarity on that if needed. Then with transits, it's always good to look at transits, listen to transits from both your rising and your moon sign. And you often hear that. And you can do that with your, you could say, moon chart as well. So uh, rather than thinking of moon signs, think of moon chart. And look where the transit would be happening, what house it's in, and, and so forth, to better understand that as well. And traditionally, the gochara, the transits, are based on looking at the moon chart. And you wouldn't use the D1, the Lagna, the, the ascendant sign. Uh, but again, modern times, we have more precise time tracking, more precise readings. So we use both. And the moon chart will give you a sense of what's happening emotionally, internally, and mentally with the transits. And then the Lagna will give you a sense of more what's happening just in your general life and in your life experience with the transits. So I think of it as giving you a sort of X and Y coordinates on a map so you can get more precise of like exactly where on the map these transits are affecting you, what's happening, what areas of your life. So if there's a transit that's happening uh, for your rising sign, it's in your first house, but your moon sign, it's in your fourth house. Now you've narrowed it down so the issue of that transit is affecting your first house, your sense of self, and your fourth house, your home, and your family, and potentially your mother, or you, if you are a mother, uh, issues with being a mother. Right, so that's just one example. If there's a transit that's affecting your first and fourth house, first house in the ascendant, fourth house with the moon chart. And then that gives you this coordinates of like, okay, well, these issues of, let's say it's like Saturn and Aquarius. So finding more structure that is in your unique expression of like what is important to have built into your life in your sense of self and then also with your home. So there would be some clarity in that reading of it's important during that transit to focus on creating some sort of structures in your home that are nourishing and like self-care for yourself and so on. So you, that would be different for every transit and every, um, the house would be different and depending on what the transit is, but that's how you would use that. So the moon chart is very useful in terms of transits. And if somebody doesn't happen to have their birth time and you just can't narrow it down for some reason, you can use the moon chart. Because again, that's what you would use historically. So you can use that to uh, just focus on interpreting from that. And that will give you a lot to work with as well. So that's my look at how to read your moon chart, how to make use of it. You'd read it just like the birth chart, but you'd use it to understand what's happening more mentally and emotionally. So it's filtering through that lens and then all the things that the moon represents, like nurturing, self-care, uh, and if, if you're a mother or in relationship to your mother, you can understand that part of your life as well. But you always defer to the D1, the main birth chart and ascendant, because that's going to give you more precise reading with the ascendant sign and nakshatra. 
And uh, it's good to have both and use both. And hopefully this gives you some perspective on how to read and use your moon chart. And speaking of the moon, this week the big transit is the new moon in Sagittarius in Mula Nakshatra on Friday, December 23rd, 2022 at 3.17 a.m. Central Standard Time. The new moon is always a time for new beginnings, setting new intentions, and this sort of clarity and blank slate. It's a day to lay low and kind of conserve your energy and not push yourself too much. And with the Mula energy, it's about getting to the root of an issue, the root of a psychological issue, the root of a desire, the root of your motivations. So doing things like journaling or some sort of therapeutic practices or therapeutic exercises is very favorable on this date. And laying low, taking it easy, if you can like take a bath or do a restorative yoga practice, that's a great way to use this energy. If you are looking for practices, you can go to quietmind.yoga. So I also teach yoga practices as well. And in this month of December, over there on my yoga membership site, I've talked about how this is a great month to really be focusing on yin and restorative and nidra practices, not pushing yourself too much. Again, I am the test dummy. I pushed myself and did the exact opposite of what I suggest to do just to see what happens if you do that during this time. All right. Usually I just follow my own advice and say, okay, it's time to lay low. I'm going to lay low. Uh, but sometimes I'll like to push that and that's what I did. And so I talked about it didn't go well. So I don't encourage you to push yourself to your limit either. And I do encourage you to do practices that are nurturing and nourishing, quiet, dark, heavy, slow, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere and this the opposite time of year, you're in the summer, then you do the opposite. But most people listening are in Northern Hemisphere and I am as well. Uh, but that's always a, a factor. I know there actually are a lot of people listening in the Southern Hemisphere. So uh, always, you know, invert those things when I'm talking about seasonal practices. Uh, so with the new moon in Mula, it's a time to set new intentions, to get to the root of issues, and potentially you want to set intentions for the new year, which I will be leading next week in the Mindful New Year live online workshop. So this is the fifth year I'm offering Mindful New Year, and I've been doing some version of this for much longer than that myself, just my own annual planning and looking at all the retrogrades and transits coming up. And it's one of my favorite things to offer. So we'll be doing that next week. I'll have details later this week about how to join. But you can join the waitlist right now at mindfulnewyear.com and you'll be notified as soon as enrollment opens for that. But that's where we plan your whole year in a day using Vedic astrology. And we'll be doing some practices and exercises to plan for the years. Next week on Thursday, there's two transits that are actually very good for this. So that's when it will be next Thursday, December 29th. Great way to bring closure to the year and plan for the year ahead. But that energy starts happening already this Friday on December 23rd 
with the new moon in Mula. So getting to the root of your desires, your intentions, what's been motivating you for the past year, uh, what has gone really well, what has not worked well, what you'd like to change going forward. It's very important and helpful to use this time to go back over the past, to learn from the past, and integrate the lessons you've learned as you go forward. And that gives a lot of great insight and perspective and clarity. This is Svadhyaya, or self-study, one of the eight limbs, part of the eight limbs of yoga practice to better understand yourself and to make use of all the life experience and lessons that you've learned this year so they don't just pass by and we end up repeating them. And as the concept goes, these lessons in life are repeated until we learn from them. And hopefully we don't need to keep repeating them over and over again. And we can get the lesson and continue to spiral out and grow in new ways and continue to expand and, and learn and experience new aspects of consciousness and life. So with Mula, time to get to the root of those issues and those lessons that you've learned this year. And then next week, we'll talk about those transits coming up. Uh, Mercury is going retrograde next week, and the workshop will be on that day when Mercury goes retrograde. Uh, so that will be a time to start going back over past things. And it is one of my favorite times to review, reflect, revise, go back over past issues. Uh, so that is a perfect way to use that energy to slow down reflect, review, don't go forward, don't make any major new decisions, but start thinking about the future and start looking back over the past. So that will be coming up next week. We'll talk about how to work with that, some great practices you can do as well. And hopefully this was helpful for you this week in planning for the week ahead. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can reach out on Instagram at quietmindastrology. And again, thank you to everyone who reached out with support over the past week. It was much appreciated when it was very hard to do anything. Uh, and it feels great to be back here on the podcast and have my voice back and get to share this astrology stuff that I love so much with all of you. And thank you for listening. And you can always leave a review as well on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it's much appreciated. It really helps grow the show. So thank you for listening and look forward to sharing more with you next time on the Quiet Mind Astrology Podcast.